Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 89 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I'm Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. And we're glad to have you here. Episode 89 is titled, How Many Banks Do You Really Need? It's a good question. I mean, what, why would we ask that question, though, right? Yeah, I think it's surprising how many times uh, we have somebody come in and start uh, sharing their situation to find out that it's, we get a wide variety of numbers on that. I find almost everyone has more than one. Yeah. I, I think I'm the only one that has less <laughs> only one. Yeah. I just don't feel the need to have more than one and complicate my life. I think the record might be like eight. You think, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't have the evidence five in front or, of me. I can think of about a five or six, but eight's a pretty good. So what would lead someone to get eight banks? That's a great question. I think, you know what, uh, oftentimes I hear, so when we ask them why they have more than one, a lot of times it's, well, the rate here was better. Yep. I opened up a new account to get a better rate on a CD. Right. Okay, maybe it was only 0.1 better, but right. they were willing to go through that energy of establishing a new bank right. relationship to get a better CD rate. How about this? Mm -hmm. My AAA premium is paid from this particular credit union mm -hmm. and therefore I had to go set up a new account there. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah, or my car loan. Same thing with the car loan, right? You, you, I took out a car loan and I had to set up my payment through the bank, so. That's right. Now you got two all of a sudden. And then we're not even talking about the people at Wells Fargo that have a million new accounts open that they don't know about. Right. right? <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, so uh, there was a point where I had more than one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was because we used um, a different bank for a home equity line of credit. Mm -hmm. And I felt like uh, we had to use them to get like a, no fees and some other stuff. But now ever we've brought that back to our normal bank where everything's in one spot mm -hmm. and by the way we have multiple accounts at that one bank we've got mm -hmm. our got personal checking mm -hmm. um, got the peak wealth management checking account mm -hmm. the rental company checking account checking account for or I guess savings account for all three children mm -hmm. and then the home equity line mm -hmm. right all with one bank so it's very convenient to be able to log in to the one website or to the one app mm -hmm. and move money around back and forth, right? Right. And to see it all in one place. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, a great administrative ease. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and when something goes wrong, you only have to call one person, mm -hmm. right? And I like to have a relationship with the branch manager mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So always go meet your branch manager and make sure that you... So they'll they'll be an advocate for you. Yeah, I think I think some people realize that this year, right, with the the PPP loans and things like that, where if you had a relationship with your bank, that you there were people who got uh, to the front of the line, so yeah, to speak, for, the, right. for their companies. I heard a lot of people that were so upset. They said, you know, that's it. I've had it. I'm gonna go switch, right? Yeah. Yep. Because they couldn't get the PPP. Right. But ultimately, everyone got it mm -hmm. if they wanted it because the 
the second round of funding. So yeah, that's a good point available. though. Um, let's see. Okay, what about, uh, this is a good one, right? My, some of my renters don't have bank accounts at all. So we're talking about having too many bank accounts versus not having any at all. <laughs> I, I thought that was crazy and I said, hey, why don't you have a bank account? Mm -hmm. And he said, the fees are too high. All right, so okay. I, I, I thought, I reflected on my own situation and I thought, well, I don't pay any fees, yeah. so how could the fees be too high? Yeah, I remember years ago, you know, it, it seemed like that was more, you would find that more often, you know, years ago where a bank, would, you'd have to have a minimum balance to have no fee checking or you'd have to have a certain amount uh, it, with them or direct deposit, right? Or some sort of catch mm -hmm. to have it. But I, I do feel like that's th those requirements are, uh, they're not as common. I feel like you can find no, no fee checking pretty easily. And honestly, I don't know if my bank has those requirements because of course I want direct deposit mm -hmm. and of course I want to have an emergency fund with a minimum amount. Right. I realize not that some people are struggling, okay? Uh, but those are the things that I take for granted mm -hmm. being smart with money. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think about those fees and they don't exist for me. Right, right. but I think, but, but I mean, that's a good question for a lot of people who have multiple accounts because they think they have to do X, Y, or Z to get no, no fees. A lot of times it's just asking the right questions. I remember years ago at the bank and I'd say, why do I, why are you taking out $5 a month? Well, I'm in the interest bearing checking account, right? As opposed to the regular one. And I said, well, can you put me the other one? Yeah. <laughs> Done. Five dollars went away forever. And by the way, the interest you're earning is one penny it per was, year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not adding up for sure. Yeah. Thank you for the one penny, <laughs> and I have the right to pay sixty dollars right. a year for that one penny. Right. Okay. Well, what about a more complicated situation, right? What if you are in business and you have construction loans and inventory loans and accounts receivable and mm -hmm. loans against this and that? Okay. I think then you you might find that different banks have different special specializations, mm -hmm. right? So if I uh, have a residential mortgage, right, which is very common, pretty much every bank is going to do that. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, I guess, but most, most of them will do that. I don't like using the primary bank for mm -hmm. the residential mortgage, but they do it, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, home equity lines, I think most of them do that, right? right. Terms are all probably pretty similar, mm -hmm. but if you have specialized needs like vacant land or construction loans mm -hmm. or some of the other things I just mentioned, you might find that certain banks are more aggressive in those areas, and that leads you to kind of like being the guy who wants a better CD rate mm -hmm. <laughs> to getting a new relationship. But if you're a heavy hitter, right, and mm -hmm. you only have one banking relationship, well then when something comes up yeah. and they can't offer that product or program, mm -hmm. well then you need to you know, go really quick and figure out who's in that market. Right. right. So that's where I would say it makes sense to have multiple relationships. But mm -hmm. if you're a W-2 employee with a common setup, let's just make life easy. Yeah. You know, and the, and the other thing too, if, if you're a heavy hitter, right, is that everybody knows FDIC is only up to 250 cash, yeah, right, yeah. to they'll insure. So you can spread it out over multiple banks, but if you're doing that, that's another reason you probably need to give us a call, right? That's right. <laughs> Putting that much money in cash. I just thought of something. I lied. I do have 
a second bank. I have an online bank. Okay. Okay. So I have the local brick and mortar and then I have an online bank. And I use the online bank to do like multiple savings every month, like mm -hmm. put money in a Christmas fund, in a vacation fund, in a property tax fund. Mm -hmm. And you can have all these free accounts and you can label them nicely. Mm -hmm. And then when those bills come due, like the summer taxes, you transfer it back to the brick and mortar and then write the check to the, to the township. So okay. I do have that. And what's the advantage of doing the online bank? Well, I like it because I'm visual and I like to see, right, here's my basic checking and then over here are these special savings plans. Okay. And they do pay 1%, right? You so you're getting- You find a higher yield than an online bank. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's guaranteed. So you're getting that higher yield and as the Fed raises rates, they'll raise the rate too. Mm -hmm. Like last year around this time, it was like closer to 2.3. Mm -hmm. And now the Fed is down to zero, mm -hmm. but the online banks are still like 1%. So that's good. Okay. But it's, I don't even care about the 1% because it's not that much money. I'm more interested in being able to get the money out of my checking yeah. and, and be able to visualize it and see it and then bring it back when I need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. So what do you do for stuff like that, for property taxes and budgeting-wise? Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I'm the type that is pretty good at mentally separating in my mind. So you're accruing every day the property taxes <laughs> in the checking account? I know at certain times of the year how much I'll need to have uh, set aside. And I just, there's a certain amount of the, of the checking account that's just off limits. And I know it's off limits. Yeah, I like to be visual. I, yeah. I want to see it. I can see the advantage for that. Though. I think my way's better. <laughs> All right, I'll go open an <laughs> online bank as soon as we're done. <laughs> Good idea. Maybe I can get a referral fee. <laughs> there you go. But you know what? We just ran across a case with banks where, unfortunately, the husband passed away and he handled all the money matters, okay? And the, the widow came in and she was grieving and she didn't understand all of the details mm -hmm. and there's four banks right and who knows why mm -hmm. right but one of the banks had an account set up and it was in the husband's name and he named the, the adult children as the beneficiary hmm. thereby disinheriting wow. his wife okay and maybe it was because it was a bad banker maybe that's what he wanted maybe he felt like they were good right and he just wanted to make sure the kids had something mm -hmm. but we don't know Right? right we don't know and if there was one banking relationship maybe we could talk to the branch manager who would have set it up right like yeah. maybe read between the lines and and as, as it is it's it's a frustrating situation for anyone to be in mm -hmm. for all of us okay uh, but I just feel like if the money wasn't spread out everywhere mm -hmm. it'd be a little easier to figure out yeah absolutely you know, I think another issue that people probably have with multiple banks in that, well, let's just make an assumption that that widow is in the same spot. If you have money getting paid or bills getting paid out of two and three different accounts, oh, yeah. how easily can those get overlooked if, yeah. if this, you know, spouse passes or something like that? Well, my AAA comes out of this bank. Yeah. My pension comes into this account. My right. social security comes into that. His social security was over there. Right. You know. How do you keep track of that? It's, it's like yeah. an administrative burden. It really is. Yeah. So I think that it's, you know, it's up to you, but if you want to have different banks, that's fine. But I would prefer 
using one. I think my way works good. Yeah, I think that's good. If you have more than one account, there, there better be a purpose for it. And it can't be that I'm just, I pay this bill out of this one and this bill out of that one. That's not administratively wise, in my opinion. Tell well, me, there's one more. Okay. Go ahead. I think maybe you're about to bring I, it up. I was going to say, what do you think about uh, couples who are, who, are, who are getting married, right? And who he had a bank, she had a bank. Yeah. And they keep operating out of separate banks. Yeah. I feel like that's a good, uh, I, good I hate setup. it. I hate it with a passion. When we teach the marriage encounter for the for the engaged couples mm -hmm. at St. Joe's, we it would be one of the biggest things that we talk about is let's. Mm -hmm. It's no longer you and I. It's us. It's Mine we. And yours. It's ours. Yeah. Yes. So let's make one joint checking account. My paycheck comes there, your paycheck comes there, and we pay the, all of the bills out of there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff written about this on why it makes sense. But I think that it's intuitive, mm -hmm. okay? And the reason why it makes so much sense to me and I'm really passionate about it is because when I was a kid, I would see at my dad's house, uh, my, my dad and my stepmom would have separate checking, okay? Mm -hmm. And I would see sticky notes like all over the place, like my dad's name is Jeff and he goes by Hop, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there'd be a sticky note that said, Hop owes me $20 for milk and eggs. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm like 14 and I'm like, what, what is this? You, you know? knew that that didn't make sense. Yeah, it just, <laughs> at my gut level at, as a kid, didn't make any sense. And so guess what? I convinced them to con, you know, combine you? their nice. accounts. Yeah, well I did. <laughs> so a few years ago, they finally you know, became us, we, yeah. our. So uh, I, I feel like, that again, not only does it make the administrative burden of cash flow management mm -hmm. much easier, but it puts the couple on the same page yeah. and, and their goals can be better aligned and everything. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, let's pivot for a second. We'll keep, uh, you know, same concept, but a little bit of a different topic with brokerage accounts and mutual fund accounts. Okay, yeah. Okay, so recently we had an example where people had mutual fund accounts set up all over the place mm -hmm. okay and again you run into the administrative burden uh, the portfolio management burden and also uh, estate planning burden mm -hmm. right so uh, I feel like if you have mutual fund accounts set up at different places or uh, stock accounts at computer mm -hmm. share and other places like that there's really no reason this day and age to have those accounts. They really should be consolidated into a brokerage account. Right. Right. And we don't need brokerage accounts everywhere either. We just really need that one joint brokerage account to hold all these different mutual fund accounts. Yeah. Right. Because even if you really love this mutual fund, you love this fund family, whatever it is, there's, that doesn't mean you have to keep the money at that fund family. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of having uh, have money at, you know, Pimco and Putnam and all over these different places, right? You can put them all together, put them in like a TD Ameritrade brokerage account where you now can still own all the same investments if you same, want. Yeah, same stuff. But administratively, put them in one spot so that you can keep better track of them. Yeah. We don't see this very much anymore because the, the reasons of holding them separately are very few and far between. Actually, there's no reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But back in the day, you know, brokerage accounts, they had costs, right? Mm -hmm. Annual fees, IRA fees, uh, holding fees, transaction charges, commissions. Loads, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is gone. 
well, for us anyway, in our mm -hmm. world, right? So back in the day, you used to see a lot more of those directly held mutual fund accounts. My record, and I know this one is legit because okay. I used to talk about it a lot. <laughs> 19 different mutual fund family accounts. Oh my word. Yeah. So wow. it, it actually can go from 19 to one, one account, one login, one statement, yeah. you know, one touch, okay? Right. And uh, it's a lot of work to get it together, but we do that work for you. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say, same with the banks, brokerage accounts, whatever. There's a little bit of work involved with getting everything in the same page, but it's well worth the, the effort, that small amount of time and effort uh, yeah. will save you administrative uh, headaches for yep. many, many years. Absolutely. So I guess that's it. Any other adding, add-on to the mutual fund part? Um, no, I think I think that that makes a lot of sense as well. That was a good point to bring that up. Okay, so we're gonna make sure we nail the close here. Okay. All right. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can subscribe on Podbean or the uh, the podcast app mm -hmm. or whatever the Google Play is. I don't even know. <laughs> but if you'd like to learn more, you can go to peakwm.com. There's a lot of good stuff there, especially on the blog. Mm -hmm. And if you have a portfolio over 500000 and you'd like a second opinion on your investments or your financial plan or retirement plan, you can schedule an appointment with us, peakwm.com slash Nick. That's it. it. That's the end of episode 89. Up next is mortgages. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.